Welcome to MLD Wealth, Money Matters, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights on the market and economy. Hosted by Chad Larson, top-ranking portfolio manager at CG Wealth Management and founder of MLD Wealth Management. In this podcast, Chad shares concise, clear and authentic views on the market, helping gain greater clarity on the current state of the investment landscape facing investors. Hey guys, it's Chad Larson with MLD Money Matters, and it is February 5th, so I'm a couple days late, um, here to give you kind of our strategic outlook for what we see in front of us in the market, an update on some key things that are happening, and, and give you an update on uh, on you know what's going on within our business. A um, lot of changes strategically um, that we've implemented and, and announced in the last couple of days. I'll touch on a few of them here today. Um, you know, first and foremost, I want to uh, welcome Mehul Sudra as a new partner and senior investment advisor uh, here with MLD Wealth. Uh, I can't tell you how excited I am to to introduce Mehul as our new partner. Um, his extensive experience and deep understanding of investment strategies is going to play a pivotal role in continuing to provide strategic advice and tailored investment solutions uh, for our clients. Mehul is working um, already in lockstep with the executive of MLD and, and our firm to oversee and manage uh, our overall wealth management and investment business and processes. Um, he's a lawyer by background, so don't hold that against him. Uh, he holds an LLB with honors from the University College of London uh, in the UK and a BCom with honors, uh, distinction summa cum laude from McMaster University. Um, his experience working for KPMG in their UK mergers and acquisitions and uh, with Deloitte in their management consulting practices um, makes him a valuable uh, addition, having a different outlook on how to approach business uh, as well. And over the last uh, number of years, he's been an advisor uh, at one of the large charter banks here in Canada on a very large team. So key hire, key partnership. Um, I think many of you know or don't know, you know, I've been, um, you know, Curtis and I've been partners for 20 years uh, this June. Um, I started as a young man. I'm not so young anymore. Um, Mehul's my vintage. He's 43. Um, so here we are kind of mid-career, um, adding bench strength and depth and horsepower to, you know, what is still recognized as one of the, uh, the gold standard of, of a multifamily uh, practice here in Canada. So I'm incredibly proud of what we've accomplished and really excited about um, what's in, in store for us. Additionally, we announced a promotion uh, internally within the team, German Aurora, um, you know, continuing to provide the highest quality of service within our planning group. Uh, German is promoted to senior financial planner and is leading our now leading our wealth enhancement services group to oversee all aspects of, of financial planning. Uh, German holds the certified financial planner CFP designation, uh, Canadian investment manager CIM designation. Uh, he's completed his level one CFA and he's recently been granted the designation of TEP or trust and estate planner, um, an internationally recognized designation highlighting his knowledge in the matter of trust estates and taxations. Um, so a lot of bench strength being added. We step back and look at, at, at where uh, the needs, the ever-evolving needs and requirements of our value clients really wanted to put forward those three things we talk about all the time, the people, the processes, and the philosophy, and continuing to invest back into, into our business. 
this month, there's a lot to get through. This one will be longer. Um, so buckle in uh, where possible. I've done my best to be cohesive and and talk through kind of all the points uh, that I want to. But, you know, as uh, as we know, I might ramble on. A couple of things I was featured in the media. I was called for comment on uh, immigration. We're hearing a lot about immigration policies in Canada. Uh, it's dominating some of the headlines. You know, depends where you get your news. But uh, my comments were pretty simple. And it, it does have impact into our economy, which we're all feeling. And, and portfolios have had to react to it as as is people's decisions in and around their, their housing situation, whether it's for you, a loved one, or someone within your family. But I am in complete alignment with economists and other vocal components in the media that the Liberal government has made some very critical errors with respect to immigration. Um, you know, over one, new, one million new Canadians were welcomed into Canada. Uh, from the beginning uh, of 2023 until October, um, so over a million new residents. Um, that has pushed Canada's population growth rate uh, up over 3.2%, putting it ahead of all G7 countries, including China and India. Um, these numbers are painting a very sombering picture uh, of how much the country's ability to absorb new Canadians is going to be tested with spillover effects showing up across various pockets of the economy. The analogy is when you drink from a water fountain, you quench your thirst. But when you drink from a fire hose, there's unintended consequences of that. There is too much of a good thing. And you know, I think the economy has proven that thus far, putting an incredible burden on, on housing. Um, one of the statistics that we've seen here a little bit, especially if you adjust for much like, you know, we look at a corporation saying, oh, we, the, co the company did this much more revenue than it did last year. Well, if it made an acquisition and bought an entire new business and added that many more shares, you know, we're looking at per share growth or per person GDP growth. If you account uh, for the dilution of population or the increased number of population, we've seen five quarters of negative growth uh, while we've had surging uh, single family home prices in an environment with you know, the, the incredibly high interest rates. Um, that housing shortfall is not something that will can be uh, can be solved in, in in any amount of short term. Um, so you know the question was posed: Do you think there uh, there's too big of a housing shortage in Canada, and what are the other elements involved? Um, obviously, this housing shortage in Canada was intensified by rapid population growth. Um, and an article in CMHC, um, the math is simple. Canada would need to build 3.5 million more houses to restore affordability in the housing market. Estimating how much housing we would need by 2030 to restore affordability of 20 years ago means house prices on a median would have to come down by 50%. So to increase housing supply, um, you know, that will put some downward pressure on housing. But yet with such a surge in population, uh, we have to be very cautious. So I wanted to talk about infl uh, immigration a little bit. It's leading into conversations we're going to have about inflation a little later on. Uh, but we want to talk about something called, you know, easing and then thrust. You know, we talked very heavily about inflation, and I'm going to get to that next Um Obviously, we talked lots about 2023 and a very narrow market, um, you know, seven stocks, the Magnificent Seven, really leading the way and dragging up the S&P, um, you know, to higher and higher levels, really being concentrated in companies like NVIDIA, the Meta, Google, Microsoft, etc. Uh, but 
having understood that the broader economy and the other gig sectors um, perform very poorly. So two years of very challenging markets. Some interesting numbers for everybody here, um, I think, because everyone just looks at everyone points to something maybe at a masochism to feel bad about themselves. Um, but, you know, a Harvard endowment, you know, the really blue chip standard of large uh, invested endowments um, that uh, that earn market returns and are managed like that of a pension, one of the larger ones in the world. Um, there are 2023 returns, and this is all available as public knowledge. Uh, they returned for 2023 a return of 2.9%. Um, CPP, which you again can easily Google, the returns of CPP in 2023 uh, were 1.3%. Uh, OMERS, you know, Ontario Municipal Employees Retirement Savings, one of the largest pensions in Canada, had a whopping return of 3.1%. And Bridgewater, the largest uh, macro hedge fund in the world, um, lost 7.6%. So it's not all as rosy as staring at the S&P and wondering why no money is being made. But we've seen comments starting in December from Jerome Powell that we will start to have an easing money supply or that interest rates will start to come down. Now, with that easing, never fight the Fed. Um, and you know, and to remind investors of that, the Fed's dovish plot in December changed the bias the, of monetary policy from tightening to easing and led to a long duration bread thrust. Uh, and that sounds very complicated. We've talked about technology stocks being long duration equities such that the net present values, their cash flows are more impacted by um, changes in interest rates, much like long bonds. Um, but that early thrust was saying, you know, the most obvious thing is that technology stocks will do better. That initial thrust um, historically points to broader market gains. And as we've discussed, we have increased our exposure um, to equities. Um but our, our underlying fundamental thesis is driven by core inflation, um, trending towards the Fed target, monetary policy that is likely to become less restrictive, um, which is great. Our leading indicators are pivoting higher from historically weak levels, um, and we're seeing positive earnings. But although the poor relative performance underneath at all, we've seen high investor optimism, um, but you know, with a lot of our tactical indicators suggesting to wait for to for further corrective action to add broad exposure. So yes, we have increased exposure, but we've taken more of an equal weight stance, um, avoiding being overly tilted to some of the technology stocks um, that have just seemingly flowing flowing on high on higher and higher air. Looking forward, I think it's March sixteenth. Nvidia's earnings are out, and if I uh, if I look correctly, expected earnings were somewhere around, you know, 86 cents for the quarter, up 200% from last year. 86 cents on the quarter, you know, I'm going to just round things up. Um, you know, I can't point to this keeps me out of having to be audit, you know, audited for accuracy if we can use some broad strokes. Even if they're to earn a dollar this quarter and annualize that out, $4 in earnings, we have a stock over $600, a stock that, you know, its earnings doubled from last year. Um, so you're paying 600 divided by four, you're paying over a hundred times for something that is doubled already. You know, we have to be very cautious and, and look for deep value. So within deep value, 
that equal weight approach, I think, will serve us very well. That initial thrust, knowing that we're getting into quantitative easing or relaxing of monetary policy is going to buoy the markets. Um, looking at U.S. financials, again, I can't talk about individual names uh, on the podcast, uh, but across the board, we are very constructive U.S. financials uh, right now. So I've added to core focused exposure there. Um, and something as simple as Berkshire, you know, looking at how do we want to get exposure to, you know, a diversified portfolio of, of businesses that are, you know, run well, valued well, et cetera, you know, looking at companies and call it great businesses as such. Uh, we are still somewhat underweight Canada as we see better opportunities in the rest of the world. Um, you know, we're overweight inflation protection, you know, looking for floating rate um, opportunities in the fixed income world. Uh, we did incredibly well last year in our fixed income buckets uh, relative to to the broader markets. We're getting yields with reasonable risk characteristics as in that eight, nine, 10 plus range that we haven't seen in years. So our exposure into the credit landscape continues to be at forefront. Um, you know, that would be call it, I wanted that that would be our positioning there as such. Uh, I've talked a lot about last month about energy Obviously, some conflict continuing to bubble and get more aggressive uh, with the Houthi rebels in the Middle East, with the Americans involved now. So nothing seems to be getting better there, which will remain constructive, albeit we do see a kind of a, a weakening demand picture um, as we kind of skid in and around a recession. Is it a soft landing? You know, is it a recession, et cetera? The, the pundits will continue to debate that. But we, you know, that leads me into job numbers. Uh, I, I hope many of you who listen to this aren't keyed into their computers or telephones or computer screens looking for job numbers. That's largely our job to do. Uh, but job numbers came in better than expected. But I think there's some weakness. And, you know, our our view of that is, you know, that was a bit of a wet blanket for the market. We're not seeing the job loss that we've seen, but we're seeing non-farm payrolls, kind of everyday jobs remaining robust. But across, call it corporate, um, we are seeing cost-cutting measures coming across the board. So the absolute numbers of jobs maybe isn't going the right way, but we're starting to see things work. We're starting to see across kind of the, the corporate landscape, real jobs being uh, compensation being reviewed and real, uh, real jobs being lost. So again, as much as job loss isn't great, it is helpful for us when, you know, it's just a part of a regular economic cycle such that the Fed can start to accommodate and ease supply. There's going to be a bit of a tug of war here. Um, my politics try not to come into the mix, but, you know, their politics are politics and they do drive markets. Um, I always said, you know, politics gets headlines, policy, you know, really uh, hits the pavement. But we are in an election year in the U.S., um, you know, so far, um, it looks like we're squared off. It's going to be Trump v. Biden once again, much like 2020. Um, fun fact, same two teams are meeting each other in the Super Bowl as the, in 2020, as is when Biden and Trump went at it uh, last time. But, you know, within that, uh, as the U.S. Fed, albeit there is a separation of church and state, you have to believe that um, you know, Powell was on 60 minutes, I believe it was last night, um, talking about inflation, um, and the transitory factors and costs of services starting to rise, et cetera. 
Um, Powell was re-nominated for a second term by Biden in 2021. Um, and, you know, here we are waiting. The Fed, uh, the Fed's going to wait to uh, uh, see what's going to happen over the next little bit. But uh, we also have an environment going into election where American consumers are frustrated. Um, this timing of this year's policy pivot poses very unique challenges for the Fed, uh, where they can be weaponized and become politicized. Uh, rapid price increases have angered Americans, weighing on President Joe Biden's approval ratings, um, which kind of thrust Powell and the Fed into an election year politics. So cutting rates this year subjects the Fed to Republican accusations that the central bank is trying to give Democrats a boost by aiding the economy ahead of the election. You've seen, you know, Senators Sherrod Brown, Elizabeth Warren, Warren sending letters last week urging Powell to lower interest rates. Uh, and former President Donald Trump told Fox Business News on Friday that he wouldn't reappoint Powell, even though he chose him to lead the central bank in 17. Um, obviously, listen, integrity is priceless. And at the end, it's all you have. Uh, Powell suggests that he's going to stay partisan on the issue um, because he really led the interview at the start. Um, you know, that the, he kind of hinted that the Americans may have to wait beyond March for the central bank to start cutting. Uh, they need to ensure that the measures that they did to cool the economy and reduce kind of the um, slosh of money that came into the market through, uh, through COVID and through the chips and inflation protection act and all of the kind of liquidity that create caused the surge in inflation is actually, uh, is actually out because the dangers of moving too soon is that the job's not quite done. And until you get really good readings, we'll just crank inflation, uh, up again, if we start cutting, um, so the prudent thing to do is just give it some time. Uh, and that's what causes us to still be carrying such a significant amount of cash across equity portfolios is the market has become overly exuberant, already priced in six cuts, guns a blazing. Let's go right again. You know, God bless bulls. Um, you need them. Uh, they're way more fun to hang out with than bears. Um, but we want to be somewhat cautious. So positioning is prudent. Um, you know, we're not going to get caught over our skis, so to speak. I don't know, I'm going to make skiing analogies, but end up somehow talking about the Super Bowl a little bit later. Um, you know, I've talked about uh, NVIDIA's earnings coming out in the next few days, about 16 days, I believe. Meta, you saw, had earnings come out. Hopefully you didn't see them again. That's our job. But um, kind of this AI train really dominating the market. And uh, and that's kind of where we where we sit. So We've got a very unique market. We we are at the precipice or in the late innings of uh, a restrictive monetary policy. Fancy words to say that we're on the other side of this, whether we're in the seventh inning or the eighth inning of it, and there's one less shoe to drop or one more shoe to drop. We are going to be constructive. We are going to be setting up for that next bull cycle. I'm very confident in the team. I'm very confident in our sub-advisor managers um, that we've aligned our capital to uh, for clients and ourselves personally. Um, and very excited about 2024 kind of going through uh, the last cycle and really setting uh, setting things up um, 
for some, I think, some really unexpected results. Um, so we're excited. Uh, as as always, thank you so much for your trust and confidence in, in what we do. Um, we do it for you. And because of you, if you have any questions, comments, um, please feel free to reach out to myself or anyone uh, on the team. I hope everyone has a wonderful February. And I'm going to make my Super Bowl prediction. I was wrong last year or I went for the Eagles. Um, this year, we've got the face-off between the Niners and the Chiefs. Uh, I, you know, and I hope my uncle hears this. He's a diehard Chiefs fan and nothing against the Chiefs, but I can't cheer for them. Um, going Niners all the way. Uh, I think McCaffrey's going to light it up. And, and how do you not root for Purdy? This is a quarterback that was, you know, last selected, um, just, just had a phenomenal, um, run, not even run. What a phenomenal career thus far. Uh, the kid makes $750,000 a year. That's probably like day money for Patrick Mahomes and his merry band of celebrities, but, you know, going Niners all the way, um, I'm going to take them on the money line. I'm going to take them on the spread and uh, tune in uh, next month to see uh, see if I made any money on that bet. Um, again, thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful February and look forward to catching up with you uh, next month. The comments expressed in this podcast are the results of work done by MLD Wealth Management. They may differ from the opinion of Canaccord Genuity Corp and should not be considered as representative of Canaccord Genuity Corp beliefs, opinions, or recommendations. All views expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. The statements expressed herein are not intended to provide tax, legal, or financial advice and under no circumstances should be construed as solicitation to act as a securities broker or dealer in any jurisdiction. All views are intended for general circulation only and do not have any regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or general needs of any particular person, organization, or institution. Please do not hesitate to contact us should you want to know more about the information contained in this video or have any related questions. Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management in Canada is a division of Canaccord Genuity Corp. Member, Canadian Investor Protection Fund, and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.